Welcome to the Revelation Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. In today's episode, Dr. Neil Sawatsky begins to look at the end of the book of Revelation. We're almost done our series. If you've been listening all the way through, we're so happy you've come on this journey with us. And now here is Dr. Neil Sawatsky. I would like you to look at Revelation chapter 22. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Revelation 22, beginning to read it, and then on down to verse 6. So this is just breaking down the last chapter. I'm going to give you about two or three messages yet from the last chapter in the book of the Revelation to queue up and finish up our study in this very, very important book. Interesting that he said, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, was there a tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. I want to say something to you tonight I hope doesn't scare you. I was just thinking through some things and reading through on some things and just want you to realize that we're living in a very, very restricted and a constricted dimension. Did you ever think about that? We see things just in a very narrow sense. As I stand here and I look through this auditorium, I see a number of things. I see you, I see your color of clothes and your hair and your skin, your eyes, somewhat. And then I see pews. They're both uh, blue and they're both pink. Uh, What that is, that's all going to be changed very soon. But when our nephew attended here some years ago, way off in London, has been there for many years, but when he was attending the church here years ago, I would preach and he would sit either on either side. And as I was preaching, all of a sudden he would be sitting and you knew he wasn't focusing on me. And his eyes were focused on something, and then he would begin to smile, or he'd have a fearful look, or then he'd, he'd smile again. I talked to him often, and I talked to him afterwards, and I said to him, did you see something that I didn't see in the auditorium? He saw all kinds of things. These situations that people encounter as a mind disorder will oftentimes see things that are not seeable, they're not visible to us, but they see some things. They hear some things that you and I don't hear. Like asking him, do you hear other voices? Well, yeah, I hear voices. I said, do you hear other voices beside my voice? Oh, yeah, there's lots of voices. That's a scary thing. Now, I know you know this, but just as a point of illustration, if I were to turn this thing on to some of the downloaded books that I have on here, I could click a button and these books would start reading. You'd hear a voice coming through. If I were to connect to a radio station, 
you would hear radio talk. That's the kind of radios I have on here. I don't have the music of the radio talk. And you would hear that. If I were to put a YouTube on here and uh, put that on play, and then if I were to put it on cast, then you would see it on the screen, and it would come there. It would be just very interesting, depending on what YouTube I would connect. Now, if I connect it to, let's say, a preaching YouTube, then you'd see a preacher on the on the screen. If I put Southern Gospel music, you'd probably see some quartets or something else, additionally what I have on here. If I were to put some, let's say, let's put some heavy-duty rock metal music on, and uh, you would uh, see these people going nuts up here and strumming and doing everything else. Not that I think strumming is nuts. I just think what they do sometimes is nuts. And yet, how powerful is this thing? This is a Chinese-made phone. It really doesn't have much to it. But this thing is capable of picking up stuff that's in the air. All of these things. Now, if I disconnect Wi-Fi, I'm not going to get any of these things because it's not going to reach them. I connect Wi-Fi, which is usually restricted to the building or a couple of feet from it, and that's about it. With that Wi-Fi, I can pick up sights and sounds. I can pick up so much. What I'm telling you tonight is that there are things here which you and I do not know about. There are angels that are in this building tonight. You and I don't see them. There are demons that are active in this building. You and I don't see them. There are so many things that are in the air. The Apostle Paul talked about the principalities and powers that are in the air. I am really quite grateful tonight that my vision is very restricted because I would be very distracted if I saw everything flying through this air here tonight. I would not know whether we're coming or going if I saw it all. And I say this to you because I want you to know that we are so limited in our natural day-by-day, hour-by-hour life in itself but I want you to know that one day those limitations are going to be removed. And we will know as he knows, we will see as he sees, and that small percentage of our brain that we're capable of using right now will increase to 100% function, which will open up everything that we don't know, everything we don't see. This will not happen until every evil thing will be taken out of this entire world and in the future in which we will live. It is when God has done his work to make it so that we can live without distractions but see fully as he has intended us to see. That's the amazing thing. And I'm talking to you about the eternal state. That's not a normal state. That is not the natural state. It is the eternal state. It is what we might call heaven. It is eternity with God. And uh, it's amazing how all of this will unfold in the days to come. So when we look at these six verses in Revelation chapter 22 and verses 1 through 6, 
I see, first of all, a perfect restoration. No more curse, no more limitations, no more tears, no more death, no more crying, none of that. That's all gone according to Revelation chapter 21. But the fact is that there is going to be a restoration of this universe, and I just want you to think with me a little bit about this. If you read theological books on the future, doctrines of the future things, things to come, you will find difference of opinions. You can't help, but in our limited time and our limited abilities to have difference of opinion, you will have that. I think we might even have some difference of opinion right here as we sit here and talk about these things tonight. Will this earth and this heaven that we see, will this universe that we know about, will it be completely wiped out and will it be absolutely annihilated and will it be gone forever and will God then make a brand new living place? Now remember that in Revelation 21, he said that I see a brand new heaven, a brand new earth for the old has passed away. So some people, of course, they, they really strongly believe that that's what that is then. And the old is all gone and a brand new has come in. I want to read some verses to you and I want to make some comments then following that. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17. I haven't printed these, so if you want to see them, uh, you'll need to quickly turn in some of these verses. Isaiah 65 verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Isaiah 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Matthew 5:18. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Matthew 13, verse 52, Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Revelation 3:12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And then in verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. On first appearance and first sight of these verses, it would look like this earth and this universe will be annihilated and something will replace it. That is a view that some people will uh, contend for and argue for. Then there's the other side 
which says that, just a minute, the Bible says that what God has made, he makes forever. Do you remember reading that in the book of Ecclesiastes? If God makes something, it's forever. Nothing that God has ever made can be annihilated. Now just think with me on that a little bit. If something that God has made can be annihilated, that means his work, his work was not perfect. So he has made a universe that was good. When he made Genesis, everything he made, the Bible says, and it was good. And so we have the follow-up of Scripture that says that everything he made is permanent and it is eternal. It's like when he saves you. Did he save you for a little bit? Did he save you for a little stretch? Did he save you for just a time? Or did he save you forever? So you have this work of God is always, and it's a, when it's God's work, it is permanent. God's work doesn't have a trial run to it. For instance, when God said to Israel that I will make this promise to you and you will always have a king on your throne, was that permanent or was that just kind of a halfway promise that if you do such and such, I'll do this? No, God unconditionally said to Israel that they will be and they will be forever. And they exist today because of the promise of God. The only reason they exist. They're a miracle of all miracles in all of the earth's history. So when we talk about the perfect restoration, you think about from the very beginning of man's creation. Man, of course, as you know, through satanic influence and through satanic uh, seduction brought in sin into the world. And beginning in the garden, way back when, corruption and decay began to set in. If we were actually able to see into the earth and see how far it will go down, we would see in this earth vileness. We would see in this world corruption. We would see in this world decay. We would see such utter, despicable, horrible things if we could only see them. And of course, excavators do see a lot of it, but they don't see everything. And they don't see everything that's connected with the decay. You think in terms of the universe, you think in terms of all of the vastness of the space that is out there, there's corruption out there beyond our imagination. There's evil out there. This universe is absolutely filled with the most deplorable evil that you and I can ever begin to imagine. So what will happen is, the day will come when God will say, okay, I am giving you the period in the tribulation to show you that I am merciful and I am patient and I'm waiting for you to come, but they repented not. I will put an end to that. I will give you the kingdom. I will give you my son and my son will rule and he will reign for 1,000 years within your kingdom to see whether you are willingly without the influence of satanic things of any kind, will you then submit to my son Jesus Christ? The truth is, at the end of the kingdom era, they do not submit to him, but only those who had come into the kingdom and those born again within the kingdom did remain true to him or will remain true to him. Many, as the sand of the sea, will follow the satanic seduction that will happen in the end. So the world is corrupted. The world itself is hopeless. So is God just going to say, okay, I'm going to wipe it out and I'm going to throw it all away and it's all going to be gone, annihilate it? No. What he's going to do, he's going to wipe out every single bit of evil 
And what it's going to take is exactly what we read in Second Peter chapter 3, where the heavens and the earth, all of that will dissolve with fiery heat. God will cleanse and burn through so that every aspect of evil, including every demon force and every satanic influence that has ever been here in the world, will be burned up and will be gone, and that will be cast into an immortal, eternal place of burning in the lake of fire. Not annihilated but forever because what God makes it lasts forever. And so what happens is that everything that we will see, everything available to every redeemed person in all of the universe will only see purity because God will have purified it in a sense that it will be a brand new earth and a brand new heaven. Think of it this way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a, all right, yet you look the same you did before. You get sick like you did before. You cry like you did before. You hurt like you did before. You lose to death like you did before. You've got all kinds of things that happen, yet would you deny the fact that God made you new? He did. The day will come when everything about you that has been affected by this world will go down through the filter system or will be through the judgment seat of Christ's filter system so that everything from the former life, everything conceivable, everything beyond our imagination will be filtered out so that you and I will stand pure, impeccably pure in the sight of God because he will have taken away Everything. That's why flesh and blood cannot enter in, but only the spirit that has been regenerated will enter in. And then when finally he brings the body up, he has filtered it, he has cleansed it, he has made it a glorious body like onto his body so that we will be a brand new creation, yet it will be us. Does this stagger your mind? You're not going to be somebody else. You're going to be you. But you're not going to be anything like you are now. So does it make sense to you then also that this universe as it is cannot exist, but it can be changed to become a new universe because of God's ability to make it brand new. And the only reason I say that to you is because when God makes something, it's forever. You and I make things, we can destroy them. Not so with God. So I must move on. A perfect restoration. I see, secondly, a perfect administration. In this chapter, we read that the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. Just a couple of verses in Hebrews 1, 8. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Revelation 7:15. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Revelation 22 verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life 
clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Here, administrations promise, and here, administrations fail. People become all out of sorts because they hear the campaign trail, whether it's in this country or another one, depending if they have elections or not, and we hear promises. We, we hear big plans. We hear big things, all kinds of stuff. And some of us already sit back and we say, yeah, how are you going to pay for that? Oh, well, yeah, okay, you're going to do this, that, and the other, and so on. And then when it turns out, they can't even fulfill their promises. Even if they want to, they can't. We have great admiration for a politician who will say something and do it, but even those are always under challenge as to whether they will actually be able to do it or not. When it comes to the administration in the eternal state, I want you to know there will be no debate. There will be no if or ands or maybes. There will be none of that. But in that perfect administration, God who sits on the throne and the Lamb who is with him at that throne, the administration will be absolutely perfect. So you have the kingdom administration where you have Christ the Son ruling for a thousand years, and together with his administration you have us redeemed of the church age, reigning together with him over redeemed Israel, over the redeemed nations, and we will be administrating with him. It'll be the kingdom administration, and it will be a perfect administration, but that administration comes to an end because in the eternal state, the administration is God on his throne and the Son who is with him, and it will be an absolutely perfect administration. When, when you and I are in the eternal state, Everything of earth, everything of the present time is completely gone and forgotten. It will not even come to mind. And we're going to be in the presence of this one who says everything right, does everything right, accomplishes everything that he ever says he will accomplish. You and I will say, this is true peace and happiness. Because we'll never doubt the administration. We'll never doubt the one who is in control. We have in the third place, we have a perfect subordination. We see here the Bible says that his servants shall serve him. So in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 3, and there shall be no more, no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Have you ever, you ever really thought about what will his servants be doing? Like, what way are we going to be serving him? Because there'll be no imperfection. The next person will be as perfect as you and me. And so how do we serve? Like, how do we, how do we reign? That's another question that we have in this text tonight, is what are we serving? And I just want you to think of this. Uh, I want you to think that in the Garden of Eden, God gave in an absolutely perfect environment before sin came in, God gave to Adam a responsibility. He said, I want you to tend to the garden. Now, the garden was going to have any weeds whatsoever. The garden was not going to have any pests or bugs or anything needed to get rid of anything undesirable. The garden was going to be a perfect paradise. That was so for the very first little while. And yet Adam was asked to attend to the garden. Exactly what all he did, no one, I think, will ever know until we get there. I don't think we'll know until we get in the eternal state and when we will serve him. So, in other words, when you and I get into the eternal state, we're not going to be sitting down and only playing harps. I think we'll be playing some harps. 
I don't think we'll be only sitting and playing violins, although I think we will be playing some violins. I think we'll be playing the most beautiful instruments that God has ever been able to invent for the purpose of service and worship. I think it's going to be the most beautiful, but there's no one going to be better than the next. Everything will be there, but what will happen is every redeemed soul that will be in the eternal state will be busy doing something. You know how bored you get when you get nothing to do. That's when you get into mischief. What, what you do is you occupy yourself, you keep doing things, you accomplish things. And so in the eternal state, he's not going to keep us busy so that we don't get into mischief. He's going to keep us busy because that's the nature of God to keep us busy. That's what he's going to do, and we shall serve him. I think the true worship in eternity, as someone has said, is probably true, that we will be busy executing his commands, obeying him with vigor, praising him with cheerfulness, loving him above measure, fearing him without torment, trusting him without despondency, serving him without lassitude and weariness, without interruption or distraction, praising God and singing eternal hallelujahs to the Lamb forever and ever. Heaven is going to be a place where there is going to be only expressions of joy and no remembrance of any disappointments at any time ever again. It's just going to be the place where it's just going to be a perfect time of service. There is a perfect transformation. We see the saints shall see his face and shall be like him. Now I want you to pay close attention to this little phrase that we have before us here, because we read that we will see his face. What does the Bible say about seeing the face of God? Now remember this, the Bible does not contradict itself in any place, at any instance, at any time. Yet there are some things that sometimes are a little difficult to figure out how they come together. No man shall see the face of God and live is a biblical statement. It is an exact quote from the Bible. Here we have in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Now listen to what Matthew 5 8 Jesus taught his disciples and he said, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see. Hmm. Now I know some people say, well it doesn't say his face there. No, it doesn't see his face. But it says they will see God. So if we're going to see God, uh, I expect that means seeing him. If I say I see you, I'm not just I'm not just saying I saw your back of your head. I, I mean, that's not what I'm saying. When I say I see you, I, I see that you look like I have seen you. Psalm 17, verse 15. Listen to this. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Listen to 1 John. He said this, 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So I want you to think about this. I want you to think that we are going to See, God in his totality. Now, God is spirit. But whichever way, and remember this, that you and I are taken away from our very restricted, limited dimensions as well, and we're put into a place of absolute and complete, unrestricted freedom. 
we are in the presence of God, we will see him. It's, it's not as if we're going to walk around then and say, well, I know God is, and I'm, I believe that he is. That's how you and I are today. We look at facts of scripture, and that's the primary way we conclude that there is a God, and how we believe in God, and why we believe in God is because of what scripture tells us, and we'll come to that at the end of the chapter. What we will see is the fullness, everything about God, whatever he is, we will see. I can't tell you today what that is. I know some people say, well, tell me what that means to see the face of God. I can't tell you that. All I can do is tell you that that is the promise of the eternal state. We shall see his face. So, for those who say there is no God, you and I are going to really be satisfied that we believed when we couldn't see Blessed are those that believe, even if they do not see, but we shall see him as he is. So it's going to be a perfect transformation. There will be a perfect identification, for we shall see him totally. We read in Revelation 22.4, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their forehead. Revelation 14, verse 11, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now, when you read in Revelation 22, 4, that we shall see his face, and his name shall be in our foreheads. That's a very interesting promise about what is going to be like in this future state. Creatures for all eternity, and we're going to have the name of God stamped on our forehead. The name stamped on the forehead is an identification purpose. It is a seal of ownership. It is a sign that we belong. Uh, we know that no one without that seal would be in the eternal state, but only those who have the seal of God. Now what I want to show you is what I just read to you from Revelation chapter 14, is that those who receive the mark of the beast or the number of his name, or his number of his image, they receive it in their right hand or in their forehead. It is a mark of identification. So in that tribulation time, they receive that mark of identification, which also says that they have been eliminated from the future prospect of being in eternity with God, because they have the seal of ownership that they receive in the tribulation time, and that seal of ownership says that they're gone, they're finished. Contrary to what some of my theological friends out there say, there is no theological basis for ever saying that you can take the mark of the beast and be redeemable, for the mark of the beast indicates a sellout of one's soul to Satan. And when a soul is sold out to Satan, he's finished. He's done. Absolutely done. Satan is irredeemable. Those who will receive his mark on their hand or their forehead will be irredeemable. They will never be born again. They will never be saved. They are doomed from the moment they receive that mark. And that's the end of story for them. Only to go into a crisis eternity forever and forever. On the other hand, quite contrary to that, 
God puts his seal on the 144,000 Jewish evangelists who make it all the way through the tribulation period, no matter the difficulty, no matter the threats, and they enter into the joy of the Lord and into the rest of the Lord. When we enter the eternal state, he puts his mark of ownership upon us, even though we already have the seal, but the seal is not seen. The seal is an invisible seal. It is something that God knows and he's put upon us, but it'll be evident when we are in the eternal state. You say, I don't know if I want a seal in my forehead. Yes, you do. There will be no such thing as asking whether that is a good thing or not. What's that going to do to my perfect appearance? It'll enhance it. The sign that God will put his name upon our forehead. You and I will be impressed with that forever. Don't know what that means, but forever. Now I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me. That's what we will see. And throughout eternity, as we sing the hallelujahs and the praises and the honors and the glories to God, we will say, I am his and he is mine forever and forever. We are identified with him forever with him. That's the blessed hope and the glory of the saints. There will be a perfect illumination. He himself shall illumine us. He himself will give us light. In creation, Genesis 1, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Luminaries were used to light the creation before the solar system. Do you know that? There was darkness over the earth, but there was light in the universe. That light that was in the universe was not the sun, because he made the sun later in Genesis chapter 1. So it's interesting that you have from that where there were luminaries, now all of a sudden you have the sun, and that's what gives us what we have today. We have, now unless you are a flat earth scientist, and believe me, I've argued with them until I realized you can't argue with a flat earth person. You can't win. Because you say, huh, it is, huh, it is, huh, it is. And that's just about the argument that he has to say. Actually, the sun doesn't rise upon us. Do you know that? When we say sunset and sunrise, even the meteorologists say that. It isn't true. It isn't true. You say, oh, I saw it this morning, and I saw it go away today. Yeah, but you saw it. You didn't see it. But the earth is going at a phenomenal speed. The earth is going so fast that if it suddenly stopped, you and I would just go flying like crazy. I mean, there would be just absolute disappearance. We are going at breakneck speed. This earth is spinning so fast. Isn't it nice that you can sit here in perfect peace and comfort, and yet what we live on is going like this? Tell me that some perchance make-believe invention of that happened. And I'll tell you, it was my God who made it happen. And he made it so that we would have the seasons. So we would spin around the sun and we would have the seasons. We would see the sun for part of the day. We would not see it for part of the day. And that's because we're spinning. The sun is not. And so what we've got is in this eternal space, we've got perfect illumination. Now we have part illumination. We had to put lights on tonight or couldn't have seen you. You could have seen the screen, but I would have speaking to the dark. We had to put lights on. The truth is that the day is coming when he will be our light. And in eternity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit will be the luminaries. It will be perfect luminary. So that if there was such a thing as a 24-hour thing, it would be a perfect illumination for 24 hours. Not too bright, not too dim, but just right.
perfect illumination. I want to move on. I got lots more to say about that. But there'll be a perfect exaltation. We shall reign forever and ever. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were told to take care of the garden. They were reigning. In the kingdom, they were reigning. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Revelation 20. Also he said, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hand. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Revelation 20. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Revelation 22.5. And there shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. In other words, comes to the eternal state, he gives us such absolute freedom, such perfect liberty, because there's no need to control us. There's no need to tell us what not to do or what to do. We will be like him in that sense. We'll not be gods, but we'll be like him, and we will be in absolute perfect unity with the God who saved us and no temptations at all. Oh, that shall be glory for me, the songwriter said. And it will be all of that. And then I close with saying, and we only know a part of it. We only know a tiny bit of it. So while we don't invite death, don't fear it. We do invite the rapture and do not fear it because it would be great to go to be with the Lord. Even if life is great here, even if life is good here, it does not compare with what it shall be. You're in for a big surprise. We're in for the best is yet to come. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you're in the Elmer area, we would love for you to come and visit our church. For more information, visit openbible.ca. You can check out our show notes for the website.